Welcome to Swanglinese, the only podcast talking the language of business here in the Middle East. Your hosts, Barry Lee Cummings and Oscar Andermo, give you their own insights, as well as interviewing business leaders in the region to help you on your entrepreneurial journey. Barry, Oscar, let's talk Swanglinese. Hello and welcome to this episode of Swanglinese. This week we have the pleasure of the company of Mr. David Cook, currently looking at his phone, but ready to talk to us about his entrepreneurial journey. <laughs> business. Welcome, David. Thank you very much. Good to be here. So we're um, uh, again uh, out and about in Dubai and the, the sun is shining. It's a nice time of year to be outside. But we wanted to have a chat with you, David, to see and learn, uh, as we do with our listeners, about what you've done. So uh, as with all our guests, if you would like to start at the beginning, not necessarily at birth, but <laughs> let's go back to the beginning of the adventure in terms of your move over to the Middle East and, and what you've done whilst you've been here in the UAE. Sure. No worries. I'll, I'll try and keep it short and sweet because that was 10 years ago. Um, so I guess it all started um, when I was in the in the UK. I, I was predominantly in finance. Um, when I left school, I wasn't particularly interested in further education. Um, you know, I was uh, very much into cars and everything else that 18 year olds are. And I thought, how can I earn the most amount of money in the shortest space of time? And uh, I happened to be good with people. I happened to be good at sales and uh, finance was paying well at the time. So I dipped my toe in the finance water. It turned out that I actually was good at numbers and I was good at people and good at sales. And, uh, you know, uh, I was very, very fortunate to have an element of success. Um, that career spanned probably must have been about seven years. Um, and during that time, I wanted to make sure that I wasn't completely wasting, you know, all of uh, my hard earned effort. Um, I started property development, uh, only small scale. So by buying, uh, you know, relatively rundown uh, ex-local authority apartments and, and houses and with the help of my dad, renovating them um, and then either renting them or, or putting them back on the market. And we had uh, an element of success with that. Um, the, the, the one thing that, that I kind of uh, learned was it, it paid the least but actually gave me the most satisfaction. Um, seeing, being part of um, a significant uh, transformation and knowing that I, I played a big role in it actually gave me more gratitude than the, you know the money that came yeah, at the end of it. It wasn't just all about the money. No, 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 no. It, it most certainly wasn't actually. And you know what it's like. You know, you you get older, you mature ever so slightly. <laughs> you know, if you ask my wife, she still thinks I'm like Peter Pan. You know, the boy that never I grows think we up. All are, when you yeah. talk to any of our wives, it's like, when are you actually going to grow up? But, exactly. Yeah. And uh, and I and I actually over the course of a, you know maybe a two three year period of, of doing this, um, I grew very, very uh, attached to the seeing the, or being part of the physical transformation of, of properties. Um, and, and to the point where I actually thought, well, hang on, could I, could I make this um, a, a living, if that makes sense? And plenty of people were making a lot of money from property development, but um, you know, the type of money that I was aiming for, I would need to go uh, you know, a lot bigger. But anyway, you know, 2008 happened. Uh, the property market crashed. Uh, the mortgage market crashed, and the the bank that I was working for at the time, unfortunately, you know, had a mass cull of employees. And so, you know, at the time, my naivety, I was convinced I was going to be one of the remaining few that kept their jobs. But unfortunately, I was one of the many that was let go. So I've uh, I tried to sell as, as much of you know, my assets as I could whilst the property market was on the downturn, but not hit rock bottom. 
Um, so I, I actually managed to do pretty well. But the challenge was because I chose not uh, to go to seek further education um, and I went into finance, my strength was really only in finance and sales. And so trying to find a job that could satisfy you know, the, the lifestyle that I, I wanted and I was so accustomed to in the UK was actually a challenge. Fortunately for me, I had holidayed in Dubai in 2007. Uh-huh. Had as, the time of my life. As luck would have it. As luck would have it. <laughs> had the time of my life. And I've, I didn't actually realize at the time that I do have one of these very unique entrepreneurial minds where you just see opportunity in everything. And I remember I got back on the plane in 2007 when everything was still good. And I said to myself, if ever I lose my job, I promise myself that I'm going to get on the plane and I'm going to come back out here because Dubai was very much going through its development stage and there was so much opportunity and it was actually an opportunity for me to do something um, that one, I was actually good at, uh, but two, I actually enjoyed. Um, So when the the crisis hit the UK and I lost my job, um, I took all of the, you know, all of the the, the cash that I could, uh, gave my mum and dad a hug and a kiss and said, listen, I'm going on a plane to Dubai. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'll decide when I get there. And uh, See you know, yeah, yeah, and it literally so you, you is. You didn't have any job, any no network here, anything when you I was, boarded a flight. I was actually very lucky. Um, one of my ex-colleagues, who is um, who is a, a long-standing friend of mine since 17, 18 years old, he managed to get a job out here the year before I came out here um, for an IT company. So I was very fortunate to, within three weeks of getting off the plane. Um, get a temporary contract uh, which was for six months with that same IT company doing sales and everything else and it allowed me the freedom to learn more about the city Uh, also as well as that it allowed me the opportunity to take my time to decide what my next chapter was if that makes sense do you think that's that is really important for anyone that's thinking about it do you a lot of people rush into these things setting up their own business because they go oh I like cars I'm going to set up a business selling and buying cars. But it's just because that they like cars. They yeah. don't know anything else about it. And they think that it's going to be, yeah, this will be awesome. Do you think it's worth it? Do you need to take that time? So there's, there's, there's a couple of fundamentals that I, I would say to, or, or advice that I would give to anybody. And it's more, you know, kind of like learning from my mistakes. Um, do not underestimate how much it costs to set up a company and run a company here for one. Number two, don't underestimate how much it costs just to live here. Because quite often when people are writing business plans, often they're on a best case scenario. They'll say that it's conservative, but it is on a best case scenario. So even if you're conservative, be more conservative. Hell yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we heard this from other, other yeah. entrepreneurs being you as well. Much sure. Because yeah. the challenge that, that you have is that, you know, on paper, let's just, you know, for, for nice round numbers sake, Let's say, for argument's sake, it'll cost you 50,000 euros for the first year to run your business. So that takes care of, you know, uh, a, you know, an off-the-shelf website package, branding of some description, your business cards, the license, your visa, um, and you know, just networking. Yeah. So that's 50,000 euros. That actually is an outlay. Yeah. Then you've got obviously your living costs. Now, even if you're in a studio, um, you know, the other side of Sheikh Mohammed bin Zayed Road, you're still going to be paying 60, 70,000 euros. You then got your Diwa, which is another one and a half thousand. Then you got your transportation. Then you've got your, you know, shop and everything else. So that's actually what I severely underestimated. So what happened was is 10 months, no, not even 10 months, six months in, 
So I shook the hands of the guys at the IT company. I said, thank you very much for the opportunity. I have a feeling I'll be seeing you, you know, in the very near future. Um, but, you know, destiny's calling. I now need to make the break and do my own thing. Um, I would say uh, it was about six months. Bearing in mind, I flew over here with, with a, a decent sum of money by UK standards. Six months into it, I'd completely run out of cash um, to the point where um, I was eating beans and pasta. <laughs> so I'm a Brit. I love beans on toast and, and I, I love, you know, pasta, anything quick. Yeah. So I was eating beans and pasta for about two weeks. And at the ripe old age of 29, I even had to phone my mother uh, and, and ask her to borrow a thousand pounds, you know. Yeah. So so it was it was a very um, ground uh, grounding. I'm not even sure if humbling. that's a word, but humbling. humbling. Thank you. I'll stick yeah. with that. Very humbling experience because, you know, two years before I was living the dream. I had four properties. I was driving a car that, you know, could go north to 60 quicker than, you know, a jet and, and all that jazz, everything <laughs> yeah. else. And then to, to suddenly be stuck in a studio in, in a not very nice part of town, yeah. eating beans, you know, it's... <laughs> what was the business, the first business that you set up after those six months at the IT company? So when I was at the IT company, a lot of the work that we were bringing in was actually fixing the messes that other IT companies uh, made. made. Yeah. So a lot of it you was, um, yeah, 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 you know, scenario, yeah. <laughs> so essentially it's, it's, uh, retro repairing, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, 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 uh, when I came to, I suppose, my own research, I, I took the time to ask the, you know, the questions to the clients. Well, did you do your due diligence? On what were you basing your decisions? Was it only IT that you were let down with? And it turns out that actually, no, they were let down on, uh, you know, the fit out. They were let down on design. They were let down on, on a lot of elements. And the challenge is, is uh, when someone sets up a company, you have a fixed budget, and so. Quite often, you are driven by price. But when you base your decision on price and you don't do your, your own due diligence on finding out whether or not you're going to get good value for money for that charge, you will end up paying more. Of course, yeah. So what happens is, is that actually if you don't have more, you're stuck. Yeah. Because you don't have an office, you don't have a trade license, you have nowhere to, to practice your business, and you have no way to make money. Yeah. Uh, and you run out of cash, yeah. <laughs> which is actually pretty much the situation that I found myself in. Right. <laughs> so, so what I did was I thought, well, there must be good people out there. I'm working for a company that is one of those good people, or I was working for a, a company that was one of those good people. If I could find a handful of good IT companies, good furniture companies, good design and build companies, maybe I can represent the clients uh, and at the same time represent these good companies and bring the want together with um, the, the supply. Um, absolutely. It was almost like I was, for lack of a better phrase, the broker for the good companies of Dubai. Um, the challenge, which is very, very key actually, is that it was a new business model for the region. Because everyone's heard of a property broker, you've heard of a mortgage broker, nobody had really heard of a, a project broker, yeah, you know. So, uh, who's going to pay, you know. Is yeah, it, uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, it's it's... It was a challenge because you know people were struggling to get their head around it, and they're like, "Well, well, what are you going to do that I can't?" Yeah, you know, and it, and it was trying to, to communicate in a way that they would best understand it, so that they see value. Yeah, uh, but that's difficult in this market because, and even now, it's still a this idea of price versus value. It's still very difficult to emphasize or explain to somebody that this is value for money. Yeah. It's not the cheapest option, but as you said before, people say, well, you're 10,000, he's 50,000, this one's 3,000, this one's 500. Oh, I'll just take the 500 because you do all the same thing. Yeah, right? yeah, absolutely. Like, well, that's not 
quite true. No, it um, doesn't work that way. <laughs> and, and quite often, what um, the, the, the clients in the early days, um, what I heard them say was, well, actually, it's so cheap, it's almost worth running the risk. <laughs> and I, well, you, you've just used cheap and risk in the same sentence. Yeah. You're building a rod for your own back. Am I wasting my time even speaking to you, you know? Because obviously, you don't understand or appreciate the importance of getting the end product delivered on time and within the, the original budget. Um, so, with um, originally when I was looking at these kinds of services, um, we I, I dreamt up a name called UAE Compare. So essentially, what I was doing, I was giving my potential clients the opportunity to compare apples for apples and like for like. And the original plan was to, to branch across the whole of the UAE. Um, so I ran out of money after six months, just to kind of like put a lid on that. And I managed to, thankfully, the universe was definitely on my side. A client that I was pitching to uh, turned around and said, listen, I love your business model. You're going to save me a whole heap of time. Um, I make far more money doing what I do best than trying to manage a project. Um, I like what you're doing. Can I help you? And I said, a bit tongue in cheek, well, actually, half a million wouldn't go amiss. He said, OK, what would you spend it on? And I was like... Uh, uh, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I was just, just <laughs> yeah, throwing yeah, exactly. numbers out there. <laughs> so, so he said, "Well, listen, hunt out of eating beans." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, so basically, uh, he said, "Well, listen, take the weekend to think about it. Create a high-level business plan. I appreciate business plans change, um, and then come back to me on Sunday, Monday, and we'll sit down and have a chat." So I sat back down with him Sunday, Monday. I said, "Listen, if I was fortunate to secure half a million, this is what I would spend it on." So, uh, you know, he had a quick read through it um, and literally then he got the checkbook out, wrote out a check for 250,000 dirhams and said, here's 50%. Yeah. Are we of the same understanding that this 50% covers this, 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 this and this for the next six months? And I was like, yeah. He said, okay, if you do all of this, you won't need the extra 250,000. And I thought, wow ballsy move yeah. he doesn't know me from adam you know? <laughs> did, does, did he take equity or just yes yeah 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 so so it was uh it was it was very much but he was extremely it, it was one of those well listen i'm not even going to dictate to you you tell me what you think this is worth yeah. and so we came up with a, a very good arrangement that he was happy with and i was happy with um, obviously, I'm leaving out a ton of detail here. Of There's a lot yeah, of fast yeah, forwarding yeah, yeah, yeah. going on here. These are the good bits. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm giving you the juicy, the the juicy yeah. info. Yeah. So, so anyway, that's true to his word. That 250 did make the difference. Yeah. Uh, we were able to keep the company uh, generating a revenue that was enough to cover its bills, yeah. but there was no significant growth. Right. And what happened, I got to the end of year two, and I looked at the numbers Again, you know, had a look at a reality check. Yeah. I was checking myself, and and I thought, how much longer are you going to do this, Dave? Yeah. You know, you need to. You need. You didn't come here to, to survive. You came here to make a difference, and and you know, ultimately not live this this life yeah. that you are. And so I uh, enlisted uh, the help um, of what I would now call him a mentor. And Did you understand what that was at no the time? Idea. No. no idea. No idea. Yeah. Um, I hadn't even heard the word, I don't think, up to that point. Um, is that our common friend Scott? Or? Yes, yes yeah, it is. So yeah, Scott, yeah, that's it. listening to this? Yeah, yeah we <laughs> love you, buddy. I owe you a lot. Um, so he kind of stuck with me for three years. And, and he, I remember he say, him saying to me at the start, he said, listen, um, I will never tell you yes or no, and I'll never tell you which direction to take. 
um, which he never did. Um, in fact, he always talked in riddles. I had to read between the lines most <laughs> yeah. of the time. Um, and That's anybody that knows Scott will know, yeah. Um, but what, what actually, do I take from that? Yeah. <laughs> Is it? What? Yeah, okay, I'm going that way. Um, and he said uh, a, lot of the, um, a lot of the teachings you, you may not agree with. Uh, he said, but, you know, just understand it's from years of experience and, and everything else. Whether or not you decide to act on it is your, um, your, your call. So I thought, well, hey, this guy's the grandmaster. You know, it's Mr. Miyagi with, with uh, you know, Daniel. So, so, um, so I decided to do everything he, he kind of direct, not directed, you know, led me to believe was the right direction. Yeah. And lo and behold, by the end of year three, so I crossed over the bridge into year two. We, we were just surviving by the end of year three. And not only were we in profit, but yet we actually had an employee on the books. By the end of year four, we were in more profit. We had four employees. Uh, by the end of year five, uh, Scott was, was kind of at the end of his tenure, uh, as it were. So it was, it was, it was an unofficial three-year gig. And the initial investor was kind of at a point where he could take it or leave, you know, being in, in the organization. And so we had a restructure um, and the old UAE Compare we decided to, um, in the restructure, set up, uh, do, do a deal where basic, basically Scott had the opportunity to bow out um, and the original investors had the opportunity to bow out and any other equity partner at that point had the opportunity to bow out because uh, I, as David and the company, were in a position to be able to, to, to make that call and commit to, to that financial obligation or financial commitment, which was nice. Um, so what happened was is that I decided that I would, I believe that I had learnt enough, both life experience trying to do business in Dubai, but also from Scott and, and Scott was also going to stay on to a degree as a, a personal coach for, for, for me. And, uh, and then we rebranded because I thought the old UAE compare, I want to do things differently. As, as, a, as a small business owner, you know that you constantly have to roll with the punches and you need to continually look at your business model and evolve based on the market conditions and, and the client's actual needs, not what, what, what we think they need. And going into 2015, we were a completely different beast. And so it made sense to change the company uh, branding, communication language uh, and direction to one that was better suited to what the, the product and service offering now was. Plus, it also didn't help that there was a insurance company with a very, <laughs> very similar, similar name. name. Yeah. Um, the, we were getting, we, in fact, we had multiple calls and emails and, and whatnot, wanting life insurance and all the rest. And yeah. I'm like, uh, no, these are the guys that. you need to speak <laughs> yeah. to. In, broke that, I was just about to say, in hindsight, I probably could make quite a bit of cash from it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's since changing the, the name, we've uh, laser beamed the focus um, on, uh, on, on one or two elements of the business rather than five or six. And we've now become recognized as experts in those fields. Right. And the good thing is, is that going, casting your mind back, when you break through the two year barrier, and I'm not sure whether, whether or not I can speak on behalf of anybody else, but it's almost like the universe or, or whatever beings there are above is like, fair play, you've he's, lasted he's, two he's years, stuck at this he's long. here for the long term, yeah. okay, let's open the floodgates. I, I think for a lot of companies, that's, it can be at the three or five yeah. year point, actually, that, that that happens depending on your business and depending how 
hard yeah. you work in some cases to, to yeah. get it there that you you do there's a lot of sacrifice that goes into building these yeah. overnight successes and you know, i mean we interviewed a lot of a lot of entrepreneurs on this podcast and everyone has at one point in time had their beans or whatever yeah. equivalent from their country yeah. you know, like tough times for financial i remember when i was uh, the point of i i can only put 20 dirhams in the car oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which meetings can i actually go to this week because <laughs> i can't drive that far <laughs> until yeah. this comes in oh i remember those in. days these, these, these are things that you have to go through to and do, do you know what the beautiful thing is as well is that actually when you, when you reach the, those points this is this may sound ridiculous but i'm pretty sure anybody else that's been there when you realize that the only way is up you can't help but get bloody excited by it because it actually motivates the hell out of you because you're like right i have managed to stretch 100 dirhams a full week you know and it's like if if i can do that for my for my you know own personal um circumstance i'm pretty sure that i can make my business in the future extremely cost efficient yeah, yeah. uh and, well, there's and a lot of lessons in, in those yeah. times yeah yeah, yeah. That's where the biggest are. What, what i've noticed for a lot of people you, you almost have to go through it yeah if you don't go through it you don't necessarily get that catalyst and just go yeah. I, i've got to go forwards because i can't go back there's nowhere to go and uh, when you're there is uh, it's not fun at no, all it's not fun at but all but then when fun. you look back like actually the lessons that i learned and they you know there's one guy that says when you don't have the resources you need to become resourceful yeah. because that's the only thing you can do you know <laughs> work harder you know longer hours and call sales calls more sales calls yeah but yeah just a general question your 10 years here in uh, dubai and ue what uh, what are your like someone that is new here what would advice would you give him to succeed in life in general like business in general here in dubai like what what lessons of success would you give to someone so maybe newer in dubai than you i would probably if i had the luxury of speaking to them before they got on the plane tell them not to get on the plane yet i would want them to ideally build relationships long distance first whether it be skype telephone email um get as much insight from people who are living it um so that because i mean we've all been there you know you speak to uh, people that have that, that are successful and they only tell you the great things you know ask those difficult questions speak to people that are willing to give you the the, the real insight of uh, because until you, you you are semi-seasoned in the challenges of dubai you're we'll put it this way it's better to spend two months in the uk doing resource uh, uh research and development sorry um whilst your overheads are 500 pounds a month then get on a plane do two months worth of research and development here where your overheads are going to be 10,000 dirhams a month which yeah. is 2,000 pounds yeah and we spend <coughs> part of this re- that research process we'll be listening to this podcast hell yeah 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 <laughs> right? of course well, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah for sure it, it, that's the whole point of doing this is to, is, is is for information like that because so many people might just go well i'm gonna do it yeah. and in, you know from an entrepreneurial perspective you're like good energy good enthusiasm yeah, yeah just do it but actually the 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 reality is well hang on a minute don't, i don't want to stifle that enthusiasm but yeah. there are some things you need to think about yeah. realistically because and that's a very good point and now in 2018 the cost of living here in dubai is even more than it was yeah. 10 years ago when we could maybe stretch 100 dirhams for a week, week it'd be yeah. very difficult now yeah. um to, to do that it, it just in terms of the price of everything has gone yeah. up uh, with inflation and whatnot but it's it's a very good advice to think about and i, I had a a, a, a a message yesterday of somebody in the uk asking me for information and and i'm thinking about upping sticks and coming to dubai because i've always wanted to come here and 
interestingly enough, I sort of responded and said, well, <laughs> you ca- ca- carry on, uh, you know, <laughs> just, just think about this and gave a few points just yeah. in terms of around, you know, it's hard to get, if you're coming here to get a job, it's, it is quite difficult to get a job when you're not physically here. So it's almost this catch-22 of, well, I have to come here and have that 10,000 germ overhead in order to be able to go to these interviews and yeah. so forth. But that shouldn't be the case in 2018 because video conferencing, all of this kind mm. of thing is that, well, let's save everybody heartache and, and wasting time. Yeah. Let's do that research from wherever we are yeah. currently uh, and then th- make the decision. I think for anybody that actually doesn't have that luxury and they're, they're already on the plane on the way over, um, I think probably my my advice to them would be you know the minute you land just have a have a reality check of of what your next two years are likely to look like yeah. um, because unless you can step into employment on 30 40 50 thousand a month you're not going to live the, the the life in dubai that you see on tv yeah or on instagram or on instagram <laughs> or on facebook yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. Yeah. i think if um you know have a look at the most frugal cost efficient way to live to start with understand that that is likely to be your life for the next six to 12 months or just and, and if you if you beat that brilliant yeah but set that as a, as a as an expectation because the majority of your time and revenue is going to be spent on developing you and the business yeah. or needs to be it should be yeah. it should be should be thank you yeah. not needs to be should yeah. be um i think well, it's, if, a very, it's a very important point just something because again that the lifestyle that people see of dubai it's very easy to get into that lifestyle on credit oh hell yeah yeah and yeah. that's a big thing that a lot of people you know you see all the flash cars and the nice restaurant but how many of those people have actually made it yeah. and how many of them are credit card exactly exactly going, yeah, look at me in my flash car at the nice places but when you look at their business or their personal life they're like yeah they're it's not all quite what they portray to the outside world. yeah exactly <laughs> and and it only takes you know if they lose their job or two dry months of business and then unfortunately they they will join the rest of them that, that got on the plane in 2008 and 2009 and they're they going to have to leave yes yeah yeah that as well yeah so i think um if anybody is here i i would say find um find an entrepreneur that that is uh linked to the industry that you're looking to set up in um offer your services on a, a um even if it's an interim basis where you just say hey listen this is this is where i am in in my entrepreneurial life cycle i'm at the start um you know i'm willing to to give 20 hours of my week for example um to learn from you but also to co- contribute to your business and i'm happy to accept um, any kind of monetary contribution that you can yeah. um, true entrepreneurs um, as in when you reach out to them true entrepreneurs w- would would you know open their arms and say well actually there's a lot to learn and i want to get you up to speed as quickly as possible um, just be mindful of the 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 the, tr- the real ones that you know you cut them and they they bleed yeah. uh, entrepreneurialism versus the ones that were gifted yeah. um, or or are you know the the credit card crises as it were um, because the the when you're in the early days you need sound advice and you're only likely to find that in very few sources uh, and, and what I found myself doing was actually taking the hybr- hybrid or the average of the the recommendations from the people that I trusted and kind of pursuing that route. So if you get the wrong people giving the wrong advice, you could find yourself in Dubai for a very short space. Yeah, yeah, and and that's something else to bear in mind uh, is that the the consequences can be quite severe mm. in terms of getting it wrong, taking the wrong advice, doing the wrong thing, and uh, and then a lot of people have, like yourself, sold everything and made a big decision to come here, and then through effectively no no actual fault of their own, just following the wrong advice, are back on the plane home, yeah. tail between their legs, going, oh. 
Uh, that wasn't supposed to happen. <laughs> what happened? I mean, yeah. the support system is not the same as Europe as well. So, no. like, if you're unemployed, it's okay. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah it is. It's difficult. Yeah. But uh, I, we could talk about this for, forever. And, and yeah, actually, we would like... Thing, yeah. for, for the Welsh people, also stay out of the sun, no? <laughs> <laughs> like Do you know what? It's, it's not just the Welsh. It's anybody with freckles. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's Welsh, Irish and Scottish, yeah. I think, yeah. isn't it? It is, pretty much. The sun is strong. But, <laughs> <laughs> but we, we try to keep our episodes... Um, quite short, shorter than normal so we've sort of reached the end but we would like to talk to you again about you've, you've built a successful business um, but what we'd also like to talk to you about is what's next for you so maybe we can organise coming back on uh, to, to talk about that what going through your, your first business into project partners and then what, what's next for, for David Cook because I think that's also very important in terms of once you have gone through that hard graft and built something what you can then uh, look at uh, absolutely so it'd be great to have you i'd be on. delighted to come back thank you so much for your time i know you're a busy man much no worries uh, thanks very much thank you gents thank been you a pleasure thanks so much for listening to this episode of swanglinese with your hosts barry lee cummings and oscar and we'll catch you next time